This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org. Thanks for tuning in to I Work For Him today. Just know that before the show, we've prayed for you. We prayed that something we say today will cause you to pause, to recognize that maybe you're struggling with one of the same things that our author was struggling with and as he wrote his book, Through Colored Glasses. But before we get to our author, before we get to our guest of the day, Martha, one unique way people can get connected with us. Well, Jim, did you set up your Snapchat? You threatened no, what's to do the deal? yesterday? That's your, do you social what? media is your thing. Oh, but you said you were going to set up Snapchat. Yeah, that's not likely to happen, Martha. I need you. You are key to all of this. Okay, well, in the meantime, people can check us out on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Our website is iworkforhim.com, and it has all those I can't believe you threw that at me. I've got to do this? Well, you know, I just wanted to ask. You were like all over it yesterday. Fine. I'm going to get hooked up on Snapchat today. And I'm not sure what you're going to do out there, but this should be interesting. So I work for him.com. I work the number for him.com. Wow. I just got thrown under the bus you on, did not. Uh, as the co-host of this show. All right. We do, would love for you to engage with us and we will get set up on Snapchat today. I work for him.com. I work the number for him.com. Hey, here's a question for you. Do you struggle seeing reality because your perspective is tainted? So often we can't see the forest for the trees. And what that means is we can't see all of the incredibleness of the individual trees that make up the forest because we're so used to seeing the forest. You know, we get used to seeing, so used to just seeing those around us that we, our vision gets skewed and we forget that individuals make up the crowd. Today, we're going to hear the story from one leader who learned that finding the trees in the forest really became a huge benefit to him. He learned it by hearing from his own people. So often we forget that every day we're surrounded by people that were created by God and have been gifted by God to us to feed truth into us because they reflect God's creation and God's glory. They're a reflection of who God is, just like we are. Tom Harper joins us today from NetWorld Media Group to talk about his latest book, Through Colored Glasses. Tom Harper, welcome to I Work For Him. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. So we do this with every first-time guest on I Work For Him. We want to hear your Jesus story. How did you become a follower of Jesus? Well, it's a long story. I'll, I'll summarize it down. But I was a seeker really since childhood. I mean, I remember growing up and having questions about existence, about the universe. Like, well, when was it created? How was it created? Who is God? How could, how could he be eternal? And I started going to a Christian camp that my parents sent me to every summer for about eight years, and every summer I was saved. <laughs> and when I got home, I would read the Bible, and I, would get it, I was all excited about this faith, but then it just petered out. You know, I, I wasn't really in a, in a believing family, per se. I mean, I went to church, but, but I didn't really meet Jesus at church, so it, the, the world just kind of closed back in around me, and I reverted. Uh, as I got older, I started dabbling in the occult, and I had this search for power and significance. You know, a lot of people that are in the, the occult um, really are seekers, and it, the, the easy way out is, is to follow the, the wide path, you know, that, that wide path where uh, it's easy to try to develop your own powers and everything and do Ouija boards and all that. And so I was dabbling in that, but the Lord was protecting me during that time, and when I was 24, right after I was married, 
I met a guy who was a Navy diver. And he became a believer when he was in the military, and it rocked his world. Well, he was the kind of guy that would not let me alone. And, uh, and so we started having lunch. We started getting together. He started a Bible study. He gave me a book to read called A Ready Defense by Josh McDowell. And a really, it was a really thick book on apologetics. And I sat down to read the, the introduction where Josh McDowell was telling his own story of how he was in college and how he sought to disprove the Bible and disprove Christianity and how that actually led him to faith. And I just read that story and, and I started to like believe. And then I realized I had a whole book in my hands that had answers to all my questions of existence and the authenticity of the Bible and, you know, what are some practical reasons we can believe and all about science and history and philosophy and everything. And, and I hadn't even read any more of the book yet. And at that moment, I believed. And I was lying on a couch and I was staring at the ceiling. And it was not a, a, a lightning or a thunder moment, but I do remember that moment pretty vividly. Yeah, and Josh McDowell had such a huge part in leading so many to Christ because of his his books, where he just he just said, "Hey, here's questions you want answered. I wrote two books about it, and they're right. huge volumes. I can't remember what the his two huge volumes were. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but yeah, he was, uh, ev- evidence, evidence that demands a verdict. That's right, yeah. one and Ver- two. Uh, yeah, one and two. That's right, evidence that demands a verdict. All right, we're talking today with Tom Harper from NetWorld Media Group. You can check them out online, networldmediagroup.com. Tom, at what point in time then did you make that connection between that faith that you sought after for so many years and the work that you do every day? At what point in time did you make that connection? Well, it's funny because it was really quickly that I realized that there was a connection. It was just kind of a natural fit right out of the gate. I mean, I was just getting into the business world, and I realized that there was a lot that was in the Bible that that could connect with faith, I mean, with work. So uh, where I was working at the time was a radio station. Uh, I was not a DJ. I always wanted to be a DJ, but um, that was a glamour job. <laughs> what, I, what I did was sales. You know, I sold advertising. And uh, but And I realized that I was in a mission field. I just looked around. I saw, of course, unbelievers everywhere. I was at a rock station. We had several different stations in, in, the, in the whole building. Um, but thankfully, as, as, as I look back on it, God pulled me out of that within about a year. I mean, it was a really kind of a dark place uh, to be as a believer. There weren't a lot of other believers. Then I got into uh, business, and maybe we'll talk about a little bit my story later, but I started doing prayer breakfast. I, I put on some executive prayer breakfasts at um, the different events that I attended. I got permission from the, atten- from the event producers and started doing that. I met a guy named Tom Rayner, who became the CEO mm-hmm. of Lifeway and is an author on church health for the mm-hmm. road. And um, he and I uh, created a partnership that was a church consultant training partnership and a website, and we trained pastors. And then I read a book called Halftime, of course, by Bob Buford, Probably a lot of your listeners have read that or should mm-hmm. read it. It was a, it was a, it's a midlife crisis book. Even though I was in my 30s, I felt like it was perfect time for me to read it because I wanted to start my second life. I wanted to start my life significant mm-hmm. as early as possible. Uh, and then I just started reading Proverbs, and I realized that Proverbs was all about work. And, and so I left the Bible open, and I still have it open on my credenza here. It was always open to, to Proverbs, and I would just spin around on my desk, look at my at the Bible and the credenza, and find a verse for that day, and, and it just it, it fed into the day, and it helped me out. <laughs> wow. You know what, Jim, I love when we hear from people where, where when they um, 
started a relationship with Jesus Christ, they saw this direct connection right away that, you know, if Jesus changed me, he changed all of me. And um, so seeing this connection where um, Tom was able to see where his faith, his work was connected to the Bible and the Bible actually has wisdom and counsel on that. Um, That's why we're on the radio to help our listeners hear that um, the Bible is a source. It is a, a wise counsel for each one of us. And that includes in the areas of our work. So. And it is the source of all wisdom around the globe. God is the source of truth. And Tom Harper, what I love about your story, something I didn't even know, that you got halftime in your 30s, just like I got halftime in my 30s. Oh. And that's why we're on the air today. So many years later, that was the beginning of our journey in understanding the connection between our faith and our work and a pursuit of significance in our success and not just success for the sake of what success is tom in all of that time did you have a mentor in your life somebody that that fed that was older than you chronologically superior to you that fed wisdom into you into your life yeah i mean my my, my first one is really my father i always looked up to him as a really successful businessman very wise people really uh, loved him and and he had a lot of loyal employees throughout his 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 career it's funny that um today is the 15 year anniversary of when he passed away Mm. and uh he he was he was not a believer when he was my mentor so what happened after he passed away at 60 years old the lord brought in other men into my life really that came from the church and so i had kind of a group mentorship and it still continues today you know i have a lot of these men that still i just met with one this morning in a prayer group where they're they're the source of my, of my mentorship accountability and wisdom right and uh, you know i had a spiritual mentor which was that navy diver but right. over time i ended up becoming his business mentor or advisor at least you know so went back and so, forth right and as i mentioned before we're talking with tom harper from net from net world media group you got to hear just a little bit of his story and tom i love the fact that mentoring was part of your growth spiritually that you had you had and you have in your life today chronologically superior people that are mentoring and feeding into your spiritual life but how did god then lead you to becoming a leadership guru that wrote books i mean how did that god make that transition in your life it was really more that I was a really intensive leadership student ever since I was in college. I mean, I was reading books all the time, and I've been reading and writing ever since I was very young. And part of it is really a little embarrassing because it was a selfish approach. You know, I had visions of grandeur for my future as a, as a leader. I wanted to be a big CEO. I wanted to be, you know, in the spotlight and, and on TV and, and the, in magazines and so forth. Uh, but I've always been fascinated by what makes people follow leaders and how they succeed. John Maxwell got me going. I kept reading his books. I moved to others beyond that. Um, but then I just kept coming back to the Bible. As I said earlier, I just you know saw that Proverbs was a practical business book, and I didn't need much more. I mean, I kept reading. I was interested. But the more I've read leadership books over the years, the more they keep saying the same thing. <laughs> and every time I go back to the Bible, the Lord, the Holy Spirit reveals something new in his word that connects with something going on in my life. And so, I, you know, that's the best business book out there. And Solomon said it over 3000 years ago. There's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> and it is just a repackaging of the truth that we've learned for years and years and years. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. it's it's incredible. So how many books have you written? Uh, I have written three books on Biblical leadership. The first one was called Career Crossover. 
Uh, and that was uh, the subtitle was leaving the marketplace for ministry. Ironically, I, I wanted to go into the ministry for a while, and then but God kept me in the business world. And so instead of of doing ministry, I wrote a book on people's transitions from the marketplace to ministry, doing some some uh, research. And then the second one was called Leading from the Lines. Then leadership principles from every book of the Bible. Uh, I do believe it's still those are still on Amazon. The Leading from the Lines then one is is. Um, I think it's going to go out of, out of print. It's probably about 10 years old. And then uh, this latest one just came out about a year ago, and I'm working on another one to follow up the Lions Den one. But I just love to write, and, and I just feel like that's the ministry God has given me. You know, you wrote that book about people that transition from business to ministry. Isn't it uh, – what, Martha? <laughs> well, nothing. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying – but what you realized, didn't you realize this from reading halftime that you don't have to leave business in order to be in ministry? You, that every day you're in ministry. I mean, at what yeah. point in time did you make that connection? Well, I just kept having this tug toward vocational ministry. And then that just started to morph into wanting to support people who were in ministry by using my, my business experience. So I got into some leadership at church. And, uh, Tom Rainer and I started this, this society for church consulting, and we were training pastors that wanted to help other, other church leaders. And so we were training them how to do it. And, and uh, so it was just kind of a mixture. I mean, I definitely saw an opportunity to be a minister, like a marketplace minister. But I also felt this tug to go into vocational ministry and use my business skills in that way. But I was just confused. You know, at the time, I was just kind of searching for what the path forward was for me. I love that because that that is a struggle that so many Jesus followers have each and every day. They're like, I just feel like I'm a second class citizen. I want to do something significant in the kingdom. I want to, I got to quit my job and go be in ministry. When in fact, they've already been given an incredible ministry, but it's that paradigm shift in their minds that needs to happen. Yeah, it's rethinking business as ministry. Or and any but any job. I mean, a supervisor in a in, in a manufacturing plant, they're a leader. They could be a pastor to the people that anybody that's got people reporting to them, they have a pastoral role, a potential pastoral role. But any work we do throws a smack dab in front of and amongst people who need to meet Jesus. And that so workplace true. becomes a mission field. So true, so true. So what prompted you to write this book through colored glasses? Well, I've been writing fiction ever since I was in fifth grade, and, and this this through colored glasses book is, is a is a fable. Or it's a fictional story, teaching principles that are unpacked in the in, after the story is done at the end. But I, I've been I was influenced by by Narnia, Lord of the Rings, comic books, fantasy thrillers as a kid, and so I started writing my own. My my, my dad was my first editor, and uh, these stories of adventure and magic always enthralled me because probably because I was always a dreamer and I'm still a dreamer. Uh, one of those dreams was getting published. And, uh, but after I was saved at 24, I quit what I was working on. And I just felt, you know, I read a Frank Peretti spiritual warfare thriller at that time. This present darkness, I think was the title. And I was just immediately taken by the Lord and grabbed. And he said, okay, you're going to stop working on the secular novel you were trying to write. And I've got something new for you. And that's when I started on this new path. And that, ironically, is what led me to finally get published after, you know, a couple of decades of, of trying to get there. <laughs> and you talk about Peretti's books. 
what the the through this present darkness and piercing the darkness those two books and many others that he wrote just help you have an understanding of tr- the true spiritual world we live in between Peretti's books and the Matrix any Christian can really understand the Matrix trilogy any Christian can really get a great understanding of the world that we live within I mean it's it's yeah. it, fiction can be better than nonfiction in communicating truth sometimes. I think so. I mean, it, it helps our brains learn in a different way through a different you know, part of the brain. We're learning through story, and we're trying to follow a story, and the suspense is working on us, and, and anticipation, and the questions, and then we get into the characters' minds, and we start to feel emotion, and suddenly we find that we're learning concepts in different ways. And and so I learned a lot through Patrick Lencioni's books, you know, that were that are all fables uh, for leaders, and and so that's why I decided to to write fiction. That's where really my writing roots were was in fiction, and I tried to to bring that into the nonfiction leadership world. And so I think I've you know I'm trying to, to explore this genre a little bit more, and uh, and see if it's going to work with a series of, of books. Well, and I really love that approach um, because so often I was in Christian retail for 10 years. And so often people would say, you know, I have somebody who's struggling with something, but they're not going to read a self-help book. And so giving them something to say, you know, this has kind of a good story to tell. Little do they know all of the lessons that you can pick up and learn and soak in when you're reading fiction. So we have time to set up the book a little bit and let our listeners know what the um, what the basis of the book is all about. Yeah, so Tom, tell, tell us, how, lay it up. Tell us a little bit about this book. Tell us Leo's story. Well, Leo is this stressed out CEO who thinks he's a good leader. He's charming. He's been successful throughout his career. And people have pretty much loved him wherever he's gone, whatever he's done. But he's, but he's on vacation with his wife. And he gets a call, and it's that kind of call that no one wants to get, especially on vacation. And it's his chairman saying that the company is at risk, things need to change, or leaves, or, or he's going to be out of a job. So he's immediately just he's panicking. Uh, and so he, before he knows it, though, his CFO takes advantage of the situation and tries to make a case that he should be the CEO and that Leo's not doing the job. And then everyone else on the team, the leadership team's, sort of scurries into this survival mode. And the story itself reflects this, the corporate world reality in that people will do and say just about anything to get ahead or just to survive. Mm-hmm. And the Christian aspect is that in the, in the middle of this mess, there's a VP of marketing who is a Christian. She tries to encourage Leo with some biblical truth, but she doesn't like come out and, you know, hit him over the head. And she just, she just drops a single verse. And it, and it works its way into his mind. And so the question in the plot is that, you know, will Leo survive as a CEO? Will the company itself survive? Right. And, and we get into his internal struggle of who he is, you know, what, his, and, what is and, my and, identity. Right, and I don't want, let's leave the rest of that for after the break, because I really want to talk through Leo's story, because it is indicative of so much the environment, the culture that's there, the infighting, the, the, the CFO trying to take out the CEO behind the scenes, and all with, you know, the, the board member having a hidden agenda. And again, that's stuff that's, you know, that's Wall Street every day. You're yeah. listening to I Work From Us Today. We have the opportunity and the privilege to talk with Tom Harper from NetWorld Media Group. He's written this Christian fable, a biblical leadership fable called Through Colored Glasses, How Great Leaders Reveal Reality. Right before the break, Tom, you're just starting to just talk a little bit about Leo, the CEO, 
And he gets a phone call at the end of his vacation, the day before he's supposed to get home, and he promised his wife he wouldn't touch the phone the whole time he's gone. And he gets a phone call, but it's from one of his board members. It's from it's from a guy that's part of the 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 group that's in charge. I mean, his company is a, a subsidiary of another company, and this is a call that put panic in his life. Leo then starts to scramble. There's there's infighting. You also give the perspective as you write this book of the other leaders on his team, other people on his team. So we get an idea of, of what's going on around the office and their thoughts of what's going on around the office. So often leaders only have their perspective, yet they would really benefit from knowing the thoughts of these other people, which we get to know because you write them in the book. How can a leader get to know what their people are actually thinking? Well, it's a great question, and it's it's one of those questions. If we if we get the answer to it, we kind of have the secret, don't we? <laughs> uh, and you know, the, the author's omniscient point of view would be nice to have, but really, only God knows the heart of people. Uh, and sometimes we may think we know what's going on inside someone, but even as the disciples admitted in Acts, they said, "Lord, you know everyone's heart." You know, they didn't understand the heart of man. The cool thing about Scripture is that it strikes deep into our hidden thoughts and attitudes, and it shines a light on our inner lives. And so as we get into the heads of all these characters, you know, they're processing, uh, you know, maybe they've got, they've got cancer, they're dealing with a divorce, they're, they're dealing with fear about their, their job, you know. I'm, I'm, one guy's, you know, I'm, I'm says, I'm going to get married soon. How, how can I face her parents if I don't have a job? And so they start to go into survival mode. And, and, you know, but there are a few principles that I really uh, bring out into the, in the afterward that play out in the plot. Just two quick examples from Proverbs twelve twenty three. It says, the prudent keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. And we have, usually, we've all, we've all worked with people that blurt out what's on their minds without even a filter, you know, uh, and, when someone is characterized by doing that, not only can they not learn anything but, or, and prideful, but they're really a fool at the core, and drama and nonsense motivate them. So if you have a person like this on your team, you can save time and frustration for everybody by recognizing that blurting habit that they have and addressing it with them. And then the other principle really is from Proverbs fifteen thirteen. It, it simply says, a happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. And this is telling us to look at people's faces. You know, don't ignore the simple visuals, cues that we get that can reveal someone's inner thoughts and motivations. You know, if you're in a meeting, you can just look at the countenances of everyone around the table. Who looks happy? Who looks sad? And, and you can just tell um, that, you know, if someone's heart is, is hurting, they can't help but show it on their face. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if, they're, if they're joyful, if, if things are going well, or if they're just happy internally, if they're happy heart, their face is going to show it. So those are just two little examples. There's so many, you know, like Proverbs 27, 19, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. You know, there's a whole conversation we could have on that one verse, but... Um, you can just you can just open up the book of Proverbs literally to any one of the pages and really start to see some of these principles involved on the page. Mm, that's so great. And so I'm just curious as a side note, are you gonna be writing a book about Proverbs? 
Well, um, I have put a lot of Proverbs into my next manuscript coming out. So the answer is yes, but it's not just on, on Proverbs. Awesome. Uh, but I've, I've done a lot of teaching on, on Proverbs, and I, I can't escape the book. You know, it is just yeah. so practical and so many truisms and principles that apply to life and, and work and family and marriages and friendships and everything. So challenge, we just want to encourage our listeners, you know, open up the book of Proverbs. Some people read a different chapter of the book every month or every day of the month because there's 30 chap, 31, Proverbs 31, 31, right. <laughs> 31 um, chapters in the book of Proverbs. You can read one every day in the month or just pick one individual because there's so many good nuggets of wisdom. So before we go back to a question, I just want to let our listeners know that if someone calls into our listener line today, they can win a copy of this book that we're talking about through Colored Glasses by Tom Harper. And our listener line is 866-713-9675. That's 866-713-WORK. So give a call and leave me your information and you might win a copy of this book through Colored Glasses. So Tom, in your book that we're talking about here through Colored Glasses, the readers led to believe that this is a showdown between the CFO and the CEO how should a leader respond to his board or his boss when a subordinate is undermining them? Jesus promised we'd have trouble in this world. And frankly, <laughs> sometimes, you know, I think he like meant the workplace first. <laughs> you know, mm. he, he didn't, at least he didn't exclude the workplace. And, and so, I mean, think about it. We're with people for hours on end that most of us wouldn't have picked as friends. We either have little in common, our personalities rub each other the wrong way, or our personal beliefs conflict. You know, if, you, if you're in an office with, with 20, 30, 40, or, or 100 or hundreds of people, that's going to probably be, be the case. Right. But as leaders, we're supposed to help these people get along and get work done. And, and like a parent, you know, like a teacher, we have to motivate people to, to work toward, toward common goals. And so, uh, but the question is, you know, when we have one of our subordinates that is undermining us, how do we as a leader protect uh, from the mutiny maybe that's, that's rising or at least the, the, you know, the, the enemy that may be in the camp. My first reaction usually, if you're like me, is to panic and raise my defenses and to respond in kind. But at, after that initial fear settles down, really, and, and if no amount of confrontation seems to help, Scripture has a, has a next step. And Proverbs eighteen seventeen, I'll go back to Proverbs. It says, in a lawsuit, the first to speak seems right until someone comes forward and cross-examines. So appealing mm-hmm. to an authority over both of you is a good first step. And that's what Leo does. That, that is a great first step for him. I don't, you know, in, in the, that part of the book, he wasn't thinking scripturally about it. He wasn't, he's, you know, he's not a believer, but that truth played out. So if, if your subordinate is a believer, you, you can take Jesus' advice to, in Matthew 18. It says, point out their fault just between the two of you. But, I, you know, to be honest here, I mean, I, I admit when I've been in similar situations, these kinds of remedies haven't always worked for me. Many times, really, all I could do was cry out in prayer. And that's where the book of Psalms can really come into your life as a leader and as a worker uh, and just, just as a person, you know, because... The psalms really are really helpful in putting words around anguish and fear. 
Proverbs 5, 8 says, lead me, Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. And that's really helped me. Well, and Jesus also said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that's another great way to deal with that is a good people, one. people that are undermining you is you just need to love those people and, and, and pray for them, their spouses, if they've got them, their kids, if they have them. Because when you start to pray for somebody, your whole perspective changes because prayer is... Yes, many times God will answer that prayer with a yes, but almost almost always God will shape your heart to look at that person the way he does. And, and so, you know, where we have an enemy one day, we start to pray for them. A month later, we may realize they're just a really damaged person who is really hurting. And so they're hurting others along the way. Yeah, and I've seen that happen firsthand myself. That is right on. Well, so talk to me about this. So this... Leo was the CEO, and he had this plan for turning around industrial publications, uh, and it wasn't going as planned, yet he hadn't admitted to anybody that he was really struggling, yet all of his people knew he was struggling. Mm -hmm. How can a leader avoid living in colored and looking through colored glasses? Well, we all operate with these filters that color everything we see, you know, whether we are the leader or we are a manager, middle manager, or, or we're just an employee without any management responsibilities. The, w- the way we see the world is made up of our memories, biases, fears, our dreams, our personality, a whole slew of factors that give you, that give us a unique perspective on life. And the way that this usually plays out in the workplace is that you th- I think you're perceiving me one way, but you think of me entirely differently. So we, our, our opinions don't match. And the reader experiences this dynamic in this big staff meeting where Leo casts his vision. You know, we, and, and what I tried to do is keep hitting rewind to go back to the same little speech, but now it's heard through the eyes of someone else at the table. And we see how differently they, they process his words. So that illustrates, you know, through, through, that, through the story, uh, how their color glasses work. Uh, but when we as leaders realize that people hear their own version of our messages, it can change how we communicate. I and mean, it should motivate us to be more direct, more succinct, less manipulative. Some leaders that I've been under have a real talent for measuring their words and look, looking for those body language cues we talked about earlier. Uh, but we, it's really hard to avoid looking through our own colored glasses all the time. So really, we need to start with moments like, you know, I, we need to be sensitive to how we're being perceived in, in, in a specific moment. That can help us get outside ourselves and connect better with our hearers. So maybe, you know, you as, as, as listeners can think, okay, the next time I'm in a, in a communication situation with, with people on my team, I'm going to listen to myself as I speak. I'm going to get outside of myself and try to hear myself as they are hearing me. Mm. And, you know, my, because my pride my, and my fear have a tendency to keep my focus on myself and keep me from being connected to other people and being understood. And, and so I'd say the bottom line answer to your question is of how leaders can escape their own colored glasses is really to deal in truth, to deal, uh, to, you know, the uncolored truth in our words, in our thoughts, in our actions, because really truth overshadows salesmanship. It cuts through complaints. It negates negativity. It's freeing. It's powerful. And truth is what 
we can all deal with without any coloring going on. You know, the truer the, the message is, the less colored it's going to be, and the less we have to worry about unraveling the message in other people's minds. How much of this story is your story? <laughs> <laughs> Moment you of know, truth. You had, you had Speaking that. of truth. <laughs> well, the reason I, I laughed because it really, you know, r- real life inspires the best fiction. Amen. And, yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, I lived through about 11 years in a very difficult leadership position where people above me and below me were used by God to refine me. Mm. And the good thing is I was still in my student mode. And so I I just kept writing down things I was learning, you know, things to do, things not to do, things about me that God was revealing. But I do remember at that time, several years, many years ago, it was an anguish-filled time. I just felt many times I cried out, like I mentioned earlier, in the Psalms, Style. I've cried out to the Lord to fight for me, to protect my reputation, to, uh, if there's any way, blot out from people's minds that stupid thing that I said the other day, you know? <laughs> and I learned so much during that time, and a lot of it wasn't stuff that you could get from leadership books. It was, it's sort of back to our conversation about the power of fiction, the power of story, you know? It was, I was like living a story, and I was, I was reading it as I was living it. I was experiencing it as I was learning from it. And life and story just reached that part of the brain. And with me, it reached down into my heart and, and just gave me this heart to want to help other people who are believers that are struggling in their own jobs, whether they're like you know, a coach or a teacher or executive, or they manage a retail store or a restaurant or or in any, in any walk of life. And so that's my passion. You know, I'm just trying to help people from, from the anguish that I've felt. I want to use that. I want God to, to take that and remold it into something that's positive and full of light for other people that's through so His great. Word and through His truth. That's so great. Jim and I talk about that all the time, that God does not waste our experiences if we allow Him to use them to teach other people from them so that they can move on further down the road. So you have something that you want to share with our listeners about ministry. Let's talk about that for a minute. Well, I lived through many years of wrestling with the ministry question as a Christian in the business world. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, God Mm -hmm. kept me in business. But the thing that I wanted to encourage your listeners about is to think through the, uh, your own dreams and the, the things that you feel like God is calling you to do, quote, someday in the, in the ministry world or as a Christian leader, as a church leader or a missionary going to the fields of, of Africa or Asia and, and, and these, you know, these spotlighted dreams that, that just seem almost like impossible to attain. But if you could get them, they'd be so cool. Well, let's, let's back up because some of you may have that, that reality happen in your life, but let's back up to the here and now, and let's look at where you and I are in life and in work, and let's look at, you know, what is, is God already asking you to do? What ministry is he, opportunity is He putting in front of you? What, what did He do just today or yesterday that 
gave you an opportunity to share the gospel, that gave you an opportunity to help someone who was hurting or to give them advice or to give them wisdom from the scriptures or from your experience and start there and now start adding in, you know, after you start working on that in your life by looking for the moments, the opportunities that God has put in front of you, you can start to see how God is pulling you forward into your life of ministry. So as you go forward in life, and, and maybe you can keep a journal of some of these so you can see, if you look over the past, where He has brought you, but you can start seeing a pattern of what He's doing in your life be- between the things that He's gifted you with, your, your circumstances, your resources, your time, your abilities, your talents, your passions, and then where he's put you, you know, the place where you're working, the, the geographic place, the, the neighborhood that you're in, the church that you're in, and start to combine these things and say, okay, well, Lord, now what could you have me do next that is really a combination of how you wired me, how you've built me, how you've given me, what life you've given me, and then where you want me to go, and what do you want me to do next? And I really believe that God honors that prayer by showing you something new that you can do for Him, for the kingdom, in a way that grows the kingdom and builds people, maybe even draws someone to Jesus. Maybe it's sitting on a plane and starting up a conversation, even though we all like to just kind of cocoon and, and read a book and put our headphones on. You know, maybe you have that conversation with the person next to you and ask them questions and see if you can steer that conversation. You might be amazed at what God can do through you if you just give him your hands and your feet and your mind and your 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 lips to speak and 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 the courage and and so that's the encouragement that i have today is to just go forward in courage and without fear and knowing that god's going to direct you if you let him and you ask him and you're in constant prayer with him right and that's just a great relationship to be in with him I think what's important for us, just to, I love the idea that that we all just recognize that we are right, we are where we are, right where we are, right then and right there, and that God can use us right where we are. And it may not be the perfect place for us. I know we've all had jobs where it wasn't necessarily a good fit, yet we're surrounded by people who need to meet Jesus. So while we're in that job, dreaming about a better place to be and a better place to work one day, and maybe a different way to use our skills, we still have people that we're surrounded by that need to meet Jesus. And that ministry opportunity, even in a place where we don't like working, can make that place a lot more tolerable when we start to realize the influence and the impact that we can make each and every day. Yes, exactly. And it's important to learn how Jesus lived and to study his life, to worship at, at a church, to be in fellowship with other believers. And then also on, on the other on the practical side, you know, if if you're looking around your workplace or if you're a teacher, you know, or a coach, uh, or you're you're a homeschool parent, you know, what skills that you could develop would really help you do your work better right? and, and look for those skills. I mean, you can go online and find all kinds of online courses <laughs> and things and in books and, and all kinds of videos and things to learn things. So, you know, add to your repertoire uh, practical skills and then also add in practices that, that Jesus uh, was an example of and how he lived and study right. his life and, and read, read, 
Books like Proverbs, read wherever the Lord, wherever the Holy Spirit takes you in the Word. Well, and that's it, exactly. The, where is the Holy Spirit leading you each and every day? It's so important, and that's why we encourage everybody to join the I Work For Him Nation, because it, it just enables you to make a covenant between you and the Lord of intentionality in your work each and every day. Check it out online on our website, iWorkForHim.com. Click on the I Work For Him Nation flag. Tom Harper, we've got just a couple minutes left as we're talking about, we've talked about your book, Through Colored Glasses, but I want to ask questions about network. Media Group. The Lord has obviously laid this on your heart. You're the CEO of this company. What does Network Media Group do? We are a publisher of business news and information, and we publish, uh, we have original writing and journalism, and we publish articles online on various websites for people that are like in the banking industry and restaurants and, and technology and retail. And we put on uh, C-level or you know corporate events for people in those industries, and we we just write news about their their markets so they can learn how to run their businesses better and succeed and and it's it's a true platform into the business world that I've been trying to steward as best I can you know as as the Lord's been leading me but that's the business that we do we basically sell advertising on on those websites and uh, and then we deliver news for free and there's free newsletters you can sign up for also. So that do you ever use that platform to specifically gather? I mean, you got. I went out to your website. You got all different kinds of of areas that you you're developing expertise in. Do you ever use that those platforms to capture Jesus stories within those industries? Yes. I mean, as an example, I went to an industry event two weeks ago. It's not one of the events that we produce. It was one in the banking industry, and I started seeing people that I've known for years. And every year I see them, especially this year, we have conversations about faith. And so what we've done, we've started to build a little bit of a network of believers within an industry. And that's an example of an industry where I started a prayer breakfast, an executive prayer breakfast years ago with those people. And then as more people started coming to the breakfast, we started learning that there were other believers in the industry. And so we start praying for each other. And it was really just a grassroots effort. It wasn't kind of a, you know, hitting you over the head. We have got to coordinate more on that because we have people ask us all the time, where do I go find believers within my industry? Tom Harper, we're out of time, but thank you, Tom Harper, for being on the air today with I Work For Him and sharing your book, Through Colored Glasses. Thank you, Tom Harper. Well, thanks for having me. Enjoyed it. Make sure you check them out online, networldmediagroup.com. You've been listening to I Work For You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers, our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately I work for him. him.